Moving on for some such observational comedy. Did you know how the bookshelf was invented? Do you know how plates were invented? It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the leopard. Welcome to Beware of the Leopard. It's 2018, and we're only a third of the way through the alphabet concerning the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, so it's time to get to work. I'm Mark Stedman, a semi-evolved simian. I'm John Bounds, and the thing that worries me most is the fact that people always ask me what I'm looking so worried about. (laughs) And I'm Danny Smith. What I need is a strong drink and a peer group. So let's begin by celebrating someone who's already come up quite a bit already. In his time on the radio series, Jeffrey McGiven has played Ford Prefect, obviously, Deep Thought, a Frogstar robot, the Heart of Gold, Ventilation System, and a priest on Brontotol. He's subsequently gone on to a successful career in TV, playing bit parts in scores of shows. Danny, I suspect I might already know the answer to this, but do you have a favourite McGiven performance? Okay, can I um, drill down and find out? Um, why you would suspect... Who is Jeffrey McGiven? Yeah, uh, why would you suspect I have a favourite McGiven performance? I I thought you might have seen a recent TV programme that he was in, in which he's been very good. Right, because when I finally Googled Jeffrey McGiven and found out what he looked like, and he was that guy (laughs) from everything, he's the guy guy in the restaurant that looks surprised at the wackiness that is happening in general, right? (laughs) Or Um, or the bank manager that appears in one episode and and, and denies them the bank loan and then approves them the bank loan. At the yes. end, after a scheme. Yes, that's it. That's uh, yes, it. I found, and finally, and my, oh, mm, yeah. Okay, there's there's three that really stand out. The fact that he's in Stressed Eric. Yeah. Now, that was adult animation before adult animation was a big thing. I don't know if people remember um, it. In the UK, certainly. I love, love, love Stressed Eric, or loved um, I think both seasons uh, are good, but the or series, but the first one is superb. Yeah, wonderful. Um, and then there was KYTV, which was only reminded of by um, looking through the uh, IMDb. Does it, uh, either of you remember KYTV? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I do. It, well, I don't remember liking it particularly much, but it was sort of like a. Um, so a proto sort of day to day, but for the whole TV rather than the news, wasn't it? Well, it, it was essentially the BBC having a pop at Sky. <laughs> so it was um, a, a, a billionaire decides to set up a uh, TV station when uh, TV stations become decentralised and satellite television becomes a thing. So everything's just slightly shit, and it's essentially and it was made by the BBC. So it's essentially the BBC just going, yeah, Sky's bad, isn't it? Which is a, a, a sort of um, shares a bit of DNA, I would suspect, with Drop the Dead Donkey, which he was also in yes. very briefly. Yes, it really does. Um, it was slightly more anarchic. I mean, John hit the nail on the head. There's a slightly shitter day today. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I remember that very clearly. It's also very much like um, when uh, Roland Rath, uh was led to create BBC Three years before uh, they finally <laughs> did. <laughs> Run VT, Errol. Was that BBC Three? He did. Um, when they uh, let Roland Rat sort of uh, do the um, continuity stuff in the school holidays on BBC Two, I assume, um, he created BBC Three because one channel wasn't big enough for him. So it ran on BBC Two, but it was called like Roland Rat's BBC Three. Okay, my absolute favourite, and it happened did happen quite recently, and I reckon this is what uh, you were talking about, Mark, was his appearance in Toast. It wasn't, but I thought you'd enjoy that. 
uh, I, kn- I knew you um, you enjoyed that performance. But, yeah, as, as Norris Flipjack. Um... <laughs> <laughs> he played uh, more than he played more than one character that was essentially the same character, but with different names, as far as I can remember. Yeah, yeah, he did actually. But I, I feel that like that was his one of the few chances that he got to give a comic performance. Yes, a lot of time he he is basically a straight man. Yeah, even when he was playing an alien in Hyperdrive, for the most part. He was mostly straight. Yeah, but that that was uh, completely. Um, he actually let rip in that performance, and I really, I really appreciate that. And I like, I like yeah. types a lot. I mean, how can you not? The names alone, <laughs> Norris Flipjack. Yes, he also played uh, Cliff Promise and uh, Aka Heron. Aka uh, Heron, <laughs> which, as far as I'm aware, were all they were all the same character, uh, sort of, um, sort of uh, off the wall and dangerously uh psychotic director but um, yes it was uh, i think my real absolute favorite was of course uh jeff's appearance in um holby city as of uh, course ed cuthbert in the 2005 mm-hmm. episode all coming back to me now i've got absolutely no idea what was wrong with him or whether it was a doctor <laughs> or anything and i haven't i haven't watched it but i just feel that's a that's a niche performance i'd like to champion at this point instinctively you know it to be a good a good performance the the number i mean he has got an imdb list as long as a a medieval scroll it's it is insane and and they're all like so many of them are tv series where he's just played one character there's you know there's there's fewer there that where he's actually gone through an entire series he just he yeah he pops up in a lot of things and and is jeffrey mcgiven in in you know in in the way he is and then that's Sort of okay, you're done. We'll carry on with the rest of the series now. We've had our given spot. Um, I think for me, my favourite thing I've ever seen him in now is is back. And we've we've talked about it before. Yeah, you need to get on that, mate. Yeah, it is a good show, and he is um, he's home. It's just like that. Just feels like ultimate McGiven. It's it's not Ford Prefect at all. Um, he just seems so comfortable. It's it's like he slipped into a really comfortable pair of shoes, and he's just being this. Um, kind of a dick, but really very kind of likable, um, lovable rogue type, uh, and he just he he plays it with uh, with panache and aplomb. Obsequious? Uh, not at all. I've got I I've got to admit, I don't know what that means, and I'm nope. I just I'm trying it out every so often, and when somebody goes yeah, yeah. yes, I can finally then you'll know you've got the context. <laughs> yeah. Right. My uh, favourite role of Jeff McGiven at the moment is the role of Jeff McGiven that he plays when he plays himself, the character he's decided to play on Twitter, which is ah, uh, yes. fairly interesting. It's um, it's not as uh, virulently anti-Brexit uh, as some actors. <laughs> uh, they've got a lot of time on their hands, these actors, to obsess about <laughs> things. Um, but what he does find the most remarkable, weird uh, things to retweet, he must do an awful lot of searching for finding like weird little funny things. You wouldn't expect him to be the man that comes up with the dogs doing funny things clips, but he does. <laughs> he's, um, he's worth a follow, but pretty much every morning... By the time I've got into got into work and sitting down at my desk at about eight o'clock in the morning, he's obviously woken up a little bit earlier than me, had his coffee, uh, done whatever weird things he does um, before he starts, and then he's had a good look over the sort of the American, the other side of the planet's weird internet for mm. uh, for dogs doing weird things, dogs on trampolines, 
uh, dogs putting on or taking off hats, that sort of thing. And guaranteed, he will have retweeted one or every morning. Brilliant stuff. Well done, Jeff. <laughs> hats off to Jeff. Well, Jeff. Or on. Or on. Or... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from one Jeff to another. Jeffrey Perkins was a writer and radio producer and worked with Douglas at the BBC for many years. He's credited with a wonderful line about Adams. Douglas was never, ever on time with scripts, often only finishing them a couple of hours after the audience had gone home. As well as producing the Hitchhiker's Guide series, he was also a director of Hattrick Productions, which went on to produce some of the UK's best TV comedies. John, are there any uh, Hattrick shows that stand out for you? There really are. Um, mm-hmm. I love loads of Hattrick stuff, particularly, possibly unfortunately for this segment, some of the early stuff before Jeff Perkins joined. Uh, okay. Hattrick, I was going to say, the, although, you know, he is um, sort of vaguely in, related to some of them. Um because they uh, Hattrick formed um, sort of around a sort of core uh, of uh, Rory McGrath and Jimmy Mulville, um, and they formed essentially to make Chelmsford One Two Three, which I think is brilliant. I absolutely adore Chelmsford One Two Three. Have either of you ever seen it, or do you know? What Never I'm heard about? of it. So it's um, rather topical, I suppose. It's a uh, now, it's a, a, a thing about the um, the Roman occupation and rule of Britain. Okay. Jimmy Mulville plays Aulus Paulinus, the uh, Roman governor of Britain, and uh, Rory McGrath plays Badvok, the leader of a, a local uh, tribe um, of mm-hmm. Angles, I suppose. And um, it's quite broad, but it's 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 really tries hard. For example, in the the first episode, it starts in Rome, and uh, and you see why uh, Aulus, Jimmy Mulvey's character, is sort of exiled to the sort of worst posting in the world. It's like the um, yes minister equivalent of um, threatening the uh, civil servants with having to go and work at the DVLA in Swansea if they don't do what they're told. It's like he's been told and he's got to go and govern Britain. And, oh, shit. It's always fucking raining there sort of thing. But until he gets to Britain, the entire thing is in Latin with English subtitles. <laughs> oh, that's... And there are, it's brave wow. for the first yeah. episode. And there, But there are genuinely good jokes. They're not sort of clever, clever Latin jokes. They're mm-hmm. some funny jokes that you'd get if you read the subtitles. <laughs> and um, it ran for a couple of series. It's, I, think, I think it's really good. You might not... Um, no, uh, people might not like it. had a really good cast as well. Neil Pearson's in it. Um, later, mm. of Drop the Dead Donkey. Uh, mm-hmm. Elmo from Brushstrokes. I can't remember that guy's name. <laughs> um, was I'm it, uh, Elmo. I like tickles. <laughs> I love that, that little red guy. He's ace. And in the second series, the one and only Jeff McKiven. Oh, look at that. Uh, who played uh, Wolfsbane. The uh, sort of local druid, come chemist thing, but I think it was it was a really great program, and I, I know that's where Hattrick came from. And then they started to produce other stuff that didn't have uh, Rory McGrath and Jimmy Mulvey in, which is probably mm-hmm. good uh, for everybody. Really, um, <laughs> they worked on that. They did the Paul Merton series. Has it really yep. seen? Uh, which I think yes. has some absolute um, brilliant. This is all on four uh, OD to watch. I think mm-hmm. all of this stuff and the um, Paul the Paul Merton series. I, the abiding two things of the Paul Merton series that really sort of um, come out to me. The fact that his main sort of character was behind one of those um, underpass uh, news, news agent, agent things yeah. that you don't get yeah. anymore, but they were fantastic. No. I used to, they were, I used to every, they're just behind the counter. And the dolphin in the jacket, 
used to just turn up in all the sketches. I thought that was great. And it was a good show. So I move on, perhaps, to the first Perkins production that really sticks in the mind uh, for me, um, which I mentioned, Drop the Dead Donkey. How, how yeah. good was that? Uh, for its so time, good. for its time, um, fantastically uh, innovative. And I don't, I don't think in terms of, like, a twist on the behind the scenes of the media, I mean, it knocks um, uh, W1A and things like that into an absolute cocked hat. It mm-hmm. was... Um, it was sort of direct adult. Uh, and he, I mean, I've worked in, in and around the sort of media industry and the the blackness of the humour of people who've got to deal with lots of quite distressing things. Yeah. Um, is I don't, the, uh, Drop the Dunk is the only thing I've ever seen that's really um, come anywhere near close to, to, to covering that. And um, yeah, so Jeffrey Perkins was one of those people in on the ground of um, developing that series and there is um, some McGiven in it as well. There is, yes. Uh, he plays, I think, um, a TV executive who works with Gus, uh, if I remember, because I remember watching that episode and and uh, going, oh yeah, there there he is again in another thing. Um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a wonderful show with like a, a really diverse and interesting cast of characters, and possibly one of the first mainstream comedies to have a lesbian character, an openly lesbian character. Um, and uh, yeah, it was um, it was it was a good show. So what um, uh, I, I, I think about Doctor Donkey a lot, and um, I remember reading about the origins of it, and it was um, mm-hmm. some Swedish comedians had apparently come up with an idea quite similar and we're talking to their sort of English uh, friends and stuff and, and Andy Hamilton must have been one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Andy Hamilton took it and developed it and, and stuff and, and made it into the series it was. But then those... Guy Jenkins. Yeah, so those um, Swedish guys eventually uh, bought the rights to it Oh, and wow. made a Swedish version of it, and their uh, their version was called um, "Dead Danes Don't Count." Oh, uh, wow! Which, um, if you've ever watched any of uh, the Bridge, the uh, scandal yeah. driver, is definitely true. But that's exactly how Swedish people think. <laughs> they do not bother to investigate crimes on the Danish side of the bridge anywhere near as much as those on the richer, more affluent Swedish side. I've got some things about Jeffrey Perkins. Um, Right, okay. Not that it's, he's only notable because he was uh, involved with Jeffrey McGiven, but when you do search for him online, the first picture that comes up is a picture of him and Jeffrey McGiven from his obituary. <laughs> um, wow. And in that obituary, like I was reading the obituary, um, what I wanted to say was it was really unfair in his obituary because there's the line, for every Father Ted, there was a game on. Ooh! Ooh. Meaning. for ev- mean. For every oddball comedy, and I think they even elaborate for every oddball comedy, there was a, a traditional one as well. Tra- like, game on is not a traditional comedy. It has no, I don't quite so. laddie humour, but it gets yeah. really dark. It's It's a show about a man that's got crippling anxiety and agoraphobia. Like, mm-hmm. that's not typical sitcom fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I was just uh, fighting the corner for Game On um, <laughs> for anyone that ever Will peruses. Will nobody stand up for Game On? I think we'll, a lot of people stood up for Game On. Um, <laughs> and when they ah, got some yes. tissues. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's around this time when I start to get a bit emotional. 
Globbering is the noise made by a live swamp-dwelling mattress that is deeply moved by a story of personal tragedy. The word can also, according to the ultra-complete Maximegalon Dictionary of Every Language Ever, mean the noise made by the Lord High Salvanvarg of Halup, or Halup, uh, you know, it's, it's fine, uh, on discovering that he has forgotten his wife's birthday for the second year running. Uh, either of you, uh, this, this this question is uh, this question for the whole panel. Um, if a human were to globber, how do you think that might manifest itself? And would you need to be resprung? I imagine the globber to be the series of noises a retired colonel makes before he says, what's all this? <laughs> it's, it's the noise created by whiskers and jowls. <laughs> and, <laughs> and indignation. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that there's only one noise that would uh, fit both a mattress description and our Lord uh, High Salvanwavag of Hollop um, description, uh, and that would be simply shit. Because <laughs> it is, yes, it works both ways. You're absolutely right. Yeah, maybe maybe there's an action accompanying that. Which is the slowly bending of the knees and a raising of hands yep. to the head. And the uh, raising the... of the elbows to the head. Yep. Yeah. I think, if, uh, I think, I think, oh, shit. I think, I think if sitting, you place your left hand on your, just above your left knee and sort of crouch into the knee a little bit. And then <laughs> yeah. put... <laughs> shit. Um, oh. The, uh, I think it's a, um, I'm fascinated by our swamp drilling mattresses and <laughs> the fact that are all of them called Zem? Am I right? Yes. All, they all are. of all, and they all probably look similar. That is so mattressist. <laughs> it's it's pretty mattressist. But you can't tell them apart. Mattress lives matter. Despite what Facebook uh, adverts tell me, I don't believe there is a lot of difference between different types of mattress, and I'm not going to pay £500 to find out. Are you sure about that? I'm really hoping that one day we get we get um, some sort of uh, pocket-sprung sponsorship. Hey, a 100-day free trial. Who could who could sneeze at that? Comes in the size of a mini-fridge. <laughs> and they pick up and collect it. But um, also, they're all effing mattresses. Um, but... <laughs> I do worry about them a little bit, and I, I worry about their, um, I worry about their critical faculties, and particular, and mm. them in particular. When he's listening to uh, Marvin tell his story of personal tragedy, he might be sort of not really listening because you know, even some of the most deep, meaningful, horrific, and personal things people will tell you, your mind wanders a bit. Because it's not about you. <laughs> Any of this resonating, Danny? I don't know what you're talking about. I, I am deeply engaged in whatever anybody's telling me at any point. <laughs> you might glaze over. You might wonder what's for tea. You might uh, wonder if you've let the gas on or off or whether a, a dog's hat was on or off. Or, or you might uh, just walk off or, just because <laughs> it's just boring. boring. That's that's what happens to me. But the um, but basically, shit. Because it's all purpose, you don't necessarily need to have heard what anybody said beforehand <laughs> for it to be the right thing to say. I do this in meetings a lot. Oh, shit, shit, yeah. Or uh, not because oh shit. I mean, it's norm- not normally that bad. We go, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Okay, we can we can we can work with that. 
<laughs> yeah, it's all about keeping your uh, keeping your expression sort of not necessarily neutral, but unreadable, as you say it, so that then they can't infer shit yeah or oh shit with whatever you want them to imbue it with. It you know it, it's just the bald statement, uh, and you just you keep your face as uh, as impassive as possible. I've been pulled up recently by my partner for giving the answer to um, any question as yeah. <laughs> 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 Which apparently is unreadable either as a yes or a no. Um, yep. I couldn't tell it you is. because it's not a conscious decision. I couldn't tell you if it is a yes or a no or if, or if my brain is purposely being evasive. I think I think that is your brain saying, it's, if, if we're going to do the Homer Simpson thing, the shot goes from your face up to your, uh, just above your eyebrows and your brain is going, shit, we need an answer. It's been a couple of seconds. <laughs> we need to just say something. We need to commit, but I don't want to be held responsible for the results afterwards. So think fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm, I'm acquiescing, but let's <laughs> let's forget if this goes wrong, I didn't really acquiesce. With any <laughs> Did you not hear me? I clearly said yeah. <laughs> um, before the next item, I'd just like to apologise for the inconvenience. That's approximately God's last message to his creation, which is written in 30-foot high letters of fire on top of the quenulous Quasgar Mountains in the land of Sevil Bupstree on the planet Prilliantarn, third out from the sun Zars in galactic sector QQZ Active J Gamma. Danny, we don't know if there's a heaven or a hell in Adam's universe, but would you think there'd be a chance to submit any grievances in writing, perhaps a suggestion box or a free phone number where calls are monitored for training purposes? I would like to think, and I have been thinking, so um, that's good. Uh, I would like to think that any grievance... Oh, unusual. <laughs> Fuck you, John. I love you. Sorry I said that out loud. Um, <laughs> I... Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty Sorry. much betting any grievance procedure is going to be more long-winded than Vogon bureaucracy. Like, mm. perhaps getting it double-signed and having to remember where uh, every address that you've lived for the past five years and uh, <laughs> what dates that you moved. Um, double-stamping it, double-filing uh, one part and stamping the other, sending the other part to another department, and then finding out that there's actually a telephone uh, procedure that you could go through. Um, so you go on the telephone and it's all uh, those automatic telephone trees, press one or press two, press star. Uh, sorry, was that a star or was that a hashtag? No, one is, wasn't an option. Uh, you get through an operator and operator goes, oh yeah, there's, that actually we'll put you through now. So they put you through to the same telephone tree that you started at the beginning. Um, but then you go online and you figure, okay, I'll do it online. So it's the same sort of forms that you're filling to begin with. And those forms are all those annoying forms that populates with old addresses and then wipes themselves clean as soon as you enter it. And you've forgotten one tiny like checkbox that's actually at the bottom off screen because you didn't scroll down far enough. And I think after all that and the point where you go, ah, well, fuck it. That's it. That's Zen. You've let go <laughs> of all your grievances. You've been annoyed so much that you've decided that none of that is worth it and you've let it all go and you find out that was purgatory after all and you can move on now. Oh, that's beautiful. To wherever you're headed. Purgatory is a telephone tree. But you you don't have to hold on to any of that petty human shit that you once had and that's what I think Douglas Adams' grievance procedure would be. So assuming that Yahweh is both uh, omnipotent and omnipresent... um, 
he'll be well aware of any complaints uh, that you have to make um and and why you would make them and the uh, and and his view on them so surely all you need to do is find the contact method and have your reference number uh which is probably your dna sequence <laughs> <laughs> i think we can assume there's a heaven and a hell because we know that agrajag is coming to the end of his lives mm. uh so well, i think we can assume the soul is go- is going somewhere um whether and if there was anybody who was going to complain, uh, it's probably that Agrajag thing. So you reckon he's up there going, "Oh, my first form, yeah, G A T A A A T C T G G T C." Come on, it's a DNA joke. <laughs> that one just went round and round in circles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wasted here. But would you? Would you? I mean, would either of you complain to God? Is anything? Is it? Is it worth complaining? I, I know you're trying to fill Zen down, but um, is there? Is there, are the little things? Would you, Would you be going to um, celestial trading standards over this? Nah, nah. <laughs> Do you want more than that? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, anger is an energy, and it's 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 useful for for stuff uh, for for driving stuff. But for all that petty stuff, you just gotta just let that shit go. Like I'm too tired to be angry all the time. Before the uh, before we move on to uh, the final uh, the final countdown, um, I thought we should check in on our quest to catch uh, to catch or to cast uh, our hypothetical Netflix TV series. And when we last left off, we were casting for Slarty Bartfast. Now, I don't know if it's a function of the amount of time that's passed or simply the um, veracity or no, the, the um, I don't know how many people just absolutely had to uh, stake their claim. But we've we've had um, we've had a landslide and we've had quite a few votes on this topic. So uh, to uh, to to run down the options that we had, we had uh, for Slarty Bartfast, Morgan Freeman, Matt Berry, Peter Capaldi. Jaden Smith and Russell Tovey with no votes Russell Tovey uh, in second place is Jaden Smith sharing third place is Peter Capaldi and Matt Berry but with a frankly stonking 80% of the vote it's Morgan Freeman what an obvious choice boring <laughs> wasn't wasn't he wasn't he one of yours yeah yeah he was he was it was, <laughs> was my safety <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If it's not, if it's if it's not Barry, pack up and go home. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I reckon there's been some sort of fix. I reckon there's been some sort of shenanigans. There's been there's been a, a plural of shenanigans. There's either, there's there's been more than one shenanigan, and we want to get to the bottom. We of it. will send the podcast police. They they will all be white middle aged guys. <laughs> very very <laughs> boring. <laughs> And they will come round and yes, actually you. Freeman's won the popular vote, but of course, let's turn to the electoral <laughs> college to see uh, who's actually cast. And it's uh... it's whoever the crap we want because it's our show. Damn it! <laughs> uh, and now, from the biggest tourist attraction in the universe, we go back to the minutely obscure. Gorilla Mint's friend is a man. I love that name. Is a man who rediscovered and then patented a device he'd seen in a history book called. A staircase after the continued evolution of the serious cybernetics, happy vertical people transporters started sulking in basements because they weren't being listened to. 
Mr. B, what ages old and simple device would you reinvent given the chance? Let's just roll back a second and uh, work out how uh, Gorilla's uh, ancestors <laughs> got that uh, surname. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the mince friends, yes, of the of the Copenhagen mince friends. No, no, of the Albany mince friends. No, but somebody who was a big old friend of some mints, and it was so notable, <laughs> and they were much more friendly with mints than anybody else in their <laughs> local area. Um, so the, there were a couple of ways to take this question, and, what, and I was think, I think maybe we think about: Are we going to we going to bring something back, or are we going to sort of? reinvent something as in make something better so in terms of reinvent and uh if you were jerry seinfeld you might be annoyed that your phone um does lots of other things but also is a phone and that's quite so i'd, I'd like to separate those doing lots of things function and the phone function so people could so the worst thing is you might be going, oh yeah, i'm gonna have a good old play about something and someone rings you up and you go oh shit i was looking at the bloody map or uh what's all that about and um <laughs> oh uh, shit yeah this is a phone isn't it yeah <laughs> i and was I th- playing a game i was watching a youtube video and suddenly the screen all went weird and numbers came up and the more things we pile onto these little objects the more important they become and obviously the slower and less reliable they become because uh imagine You've taken advice, taken advantage of all um, Apple and Android's adverts, and goes right. I can pay for things on this. I don't need my credit card or any cash. Uh, I can uh, get on the bus with it, which you can around here. I don't need my bus pass. I can. I don't need to know where I'm going because it's got maps. I don't need to know what time it is because it's got a clock. I don't need to actually have a range where I'm meeting my friends because I can contact them through various different apps. This guy, this dies. Oh man, you're up a certain uh, millennial shit creek there, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> you can't do nothing. Can I just agree with you? Because recently, um, in Brighton, I'm having to get a bus pass, and the bus pass is through the phone. So it's a little phone app that has a unique thing on it that you show the bus driver. But I'm there all day at work. The phone runs out of battery. So now I've got to carry with me my phone charger and find a place to charge it at work. So I can't just carry a phone charger because I look like a, a lunatic bomb maker, right? So now I have to carry a bag with me. How big is your phone charger? Yeah, well, I'm walking around with wires <laughs> sticking out of my pocket and unusual bulges in my trousers. It's a small, it's a small bottle of liquid that went mixed. Um, <laughs> Um, so now I have to carry a bag with me because I have to get on a bus, which doesn't seem like a step forward at, at all. <laughs> so moving on for some such observational comedy, did you know how the bookshelf was invented? No. Someone just saw a books and went, that'd be better if they were there. Oh, <laughs> they saw a oh, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I just um, wanted to pick up on they saw a books. <laughs> for many years, books. books. For many years, books were laid upon the floor, uh, sort of horizontally. This is and, <laughs> no, this is true. I can, I can, I could take you to the place where the bookshelf was invented. Before it was in the Bodleian Library in Oxford where a man said, oh, we shouldn't leave all these things lying around on the floor piled up. Why don't we get some bits of wood? And then we can stand them up and we can see which one's which. And there won't be all this pressure on the pages like you're not meant to store uh, records. 
uh, vinyl records uh, piled up horizontally. So they pinpointed, yes, that was the that's where a man invented the bookshelf. No, oh, right. What yes. happened was, <laughs> right, there was a man and he had some shelves and then he had some books and he went, wouldn't it be good to put a book on there? And where everyone no, went, this is, this where is sh- brilliant, yeah. This is where shelves come from. Before this point, everything was just on the floor. So he invented it for books, and then some people saw the other uh, things that could be put on shelves. <laughs> no, that's that's the sound of incredulity that's from Danny not Smith. There, reality works. <laughs> that is people that's... see books on the floor and go, "Wouldn't it be handy to have them at eye height?" <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that they were eye height. What, what was his earlier thing? Did he glue around? them to the wall? Like I want to see. <laughs> see the test pieces suspended them from the ceiling with a series of strings and pulleys that way you can adjust the eye height to whoever's looking at it actually that would be much better you can't see this but I'm currently demonstrating the, um, the, he wanted to find a way because they weren't hardbacks they wouldn't stand up on their own so he needed to invent the shelf to put lots of them together to sort of, uh... so they weren't really books they didn't have Spines, or well, of course, there were books, they were collections of pages <laughs> bound together. Do you know how plates were invented, right? Because food was just on the floor, food, and food was rolling off the and, books. And somebody just looked at food on the floor and thought, wouldn't it be better if we could carry food around individually? And thus, they invented plates. The other thing I've got for you, the other thing I'm moving, moving swiftly on, I would like, to, I, I've, I've never seen one of these things in real life. I've seen pictures of them in books. I've been told about them by people who've um, discussed their, their wondrous nature. So I would like to bring back the Flatley. The Flatley is sort of a hot cupboard. <laughs> you fucking what? That's an oven dickhead. It's a, no, 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 no. It's literally what an oven is. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No no! It's um, it's it's a it's a white good. So what you what you do is you plug it in, it's the electric, and it heats up. But what it is, it's like a hot wardrobe essentially. So you hang up <laughs> you know wet clothes is. in it. You hang up wet clothes, and it dries them, and they're hung up, so you don't need to iron them. And if you have, and if it's raining outside, you put the things in the flatly. There is um there is a link to the flatly in the show notes from um Did you Google flatly and that's a really a thing, Mark? <laughs> yeah, it's really a thing. I go- I Googled flatly hot cupboard. <laughs> if I was gonna make this up I'd call it something more normal, right? Join me in the nineteen hundreds is a website that has a very detailed article and an image and it is indeed a white good What is the exact what is the uh It's a dryer. No, what's the advantage of a flatly over per se, uh, or a tumble dryer, or a centrally heated room. Well, tumble dryers crease your clothes something rotten, and are apparently not very good for the um, environment. It's unsightly. It's unsightly to have all your clothes over your uh, radiators. Okay, so isn't there some sort of um, machine evolution going on? The fact that there isn't flatlies and there are radiators now doesn't that mean that the flat i think is... i think that's probably the case no no this is imagine. a conspiracy by big tumble <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to the end of another show um so uh in uh, as is customary uh, let's do some plugs danny what are you plugging uh could you please follow uh jeffrey mcgigan on twitter 
Um, I'm not sure of his Twitter handle, but I hear is very, very good. He's linked up in the show notes. Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm probably drunk. There'll probably be an announcement uh, quite soon about a forthcoming project. So uh, be exciting on that. That's exciting. Uh, what say you, John? Um, oh, just I'm not really uh, I'm not very productive apart from my cough at the moment. So uh, just come and follow me at Bound. Um, if I do do anything, you'll be the first to know. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, and that just about wraps it up for the leopard. You can find all of our past episodes at btlpodcast.com as long as uh, as well as links to get in touch should you feel so inclined. Do keep your tweets coming in to BTL Podcast. We do enjoy them, even if they are involved in shenanigans. Uh, and we will see you again next week. So until then, share and enjoy. Moving on for some such observational comedy, there was one. There's, <laughs> there's. Shouldn't <laughs> little... you just have a slap bass kind of sting? I prefer a rim shot, but there are two other things I'm going to talk to you about. One of them. Mince friend will give you a rim how, shot. How the man. <laughs>